verses 46 through 49. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. Thank you, Lord, for your word. And thank you, Grace, for, for reading, sharing with us. Good morning, everybody. Good to be with you, yeah? I hope you had a good week. Uh, as I said in my email a couple of days ago, I have started wearing a mask uh, around places. I'm not up here, of course, but, you know, when I'm back out there with you all, I'll be masking again. And, of course, that's what I've decided to do. Uh, you can do whatever you want, all right? It's, it's good. Let's pray. Lord God, um, our hearts go out to the people of Afghanistan and Haiti, and uh, many of them are in desperate situation right now. So we ask that you let the light of Jesus shine upon them, bring hope out of despair. And during this latest COVID surge, Lord, we ask for your protection for us and our families. Give us wisdom for today. And now, Lord, prepare our hearts to receive your word. Speak to our minds by the Holy Spirit. And Jesus, send us from this place eager to be your deep, daring, daily disciples. In your name we pray, amen. Well, I would like to invite up Shane Goffner. Uh, you saw Shane singing up here uh, a minute ago, and... Uh, a regular member of the band. Sometimes he plays keys as well as sings. And uh, so, uh, Shane, thank you for being up here. Tell us a little bit. Introduce yourself to yeah. us. Hi, I'm Shane, Shane Goffner. Um, I've been going here for about six years, give or so. Um, I did, it's hard, hard to believe it it's is, been that yeah. long. <laughs> it's, time does fly when you're having fun, and we have fun, so that it makes it go pretty quick. Um, I have a family. I have a wife and a daughter, uh, Ariana, and then Gwendolyn's my daughter. She's about one and a half or so. Yeah. Um, yeah. She's my such a go cute. Here. Is she over there? Yeah. She just. No, they're they're uh, oh. homesick. Today, okay. But. All right. <laughs> but she's fast. Yeah. She's, she's little and she's fast. Yeah. <laughs> I know that yesterday I, I talked to Shane on the phone and and Ariana was working so he had. Uh, Gwendolyn all day, and he, he called it, uh, when he has, it on, has her on Saturdays, which is normal, they call it Dadder Day. Yep, Dadder Day. <laughs> yep. Dad Saturday, Dadder Day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so anyway, um, but the, the question I really wanted to find out from you, Shane, is how would you say your life has changed for the better since you started following Jesus with us here at Faith Westwood? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's numerous, but I'll touch on a few that come mm -hmm. to mind at least. Um, but the first thing when you asked me that I thought about was um, the amount of pressure that mm -hmm. I feel like is relieved now that uh, I have Jesus in my life. I have somebody to lean on. You know, prior to, I was 
just by myself didn't, you know, have a higher power to lean on. And it's a lot of pressure just yeah. depending on only yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, if anything happens, you're, you're to blame and you're it. But, you know, now I can take my problems to God or to Jesus and, you know, say, take this, take this from me and do what you will with it because I, I don't need to sit and fester over things or... And so you feel that pressure, pressure kind of release, release a little bit, don't yep. you? Yeah, instead of sitting and thinking about every day over and over, I can give it up now and just kind of let it go. And uh, that's, that feels good, doesn't it? it? I think it brings a... When you, when you feel like you, you don't have all the pressure on you, it brings a little peace into your life, too. Well, and, you know, now that you're a dad... How would you say that impacts you, this, this following Jesus with us here on the same journey that we're all on together? How does that impact you as a dad? Yeah, it's, um, you know, it's something that I'm new at still. So, you know, it's, mm-hmm. a, it's only been about a year and a half, a little less than that. Um, but we have more support now than we've ever had. You know, we, we know plenty of different parents here and are friends with people with kids if we have questions we have people to ask you can kind of um teach lessons learn to teach them the right way and then bring them to sunday school they yeah they love it yeah well and and uh i know that you and ariana are also in a in a group together right don't tell us about that yeah we have a small group um we have friends that uh either sing in the band or that we've met just through church um spouses and kids and stuff but we do things together and we have you know more friends than than we used to have as well so it's nice to have some support you have a little bit more outside of church mm-hmm. as well you know it doesn't stay just inside this building it's like the week goes on and you know we talk we reach out and um we kind of help each other out with whatever we got going on in life that is huge yeah yeah um I know a, a couple of weeks ago I was talking about how the church is a potluck of encouragement. And tell us what your group was doing that day. Yep, so uh, this is just classic Steve message that just hits right when you need it, <laughs> right, right on the day without planning, you know. But we, we had our little swim grill out potluck party right after that. We, had, we didn't coordinate ahead of time. You know, to get the message out, it was just, it just so happened. That's what was going on, so. It was wonderfully freaky, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, a little God thing. Yeah, that's great. All right, well, Shane, thanks a lot for sharing with us about how you've seen God make your life better through uh, following Jesus with us here. So thank you. Thank you. All right, well, as you learned today, our word is practical. Practical. We love things that are practical, don't we? Uh, you know, businesses prom- promise practical solutions for pest control and class control and weight control. And, you know, if something is advertised as practical, we assume two things, that it's simple and it works, right? We love practical. Today's message is the second in our series, Love my church. Uh, and for five Sundays, we're looking at five, Faith Westwood's five values, uh, being relational, practical, mission, generational, missional, and invitational. 
And to, last Sunday we looked at being a relational church. Today we dive into what it means to have our practical value. Love my practical church. Uh, in the 1700s, John Wesley led a renewal movement called Methodism. And they had preaching events, sometimes outdoor events, for people to hear the gospel. And, and, and Wesley created Methodist, what he called Methodist societies, so the converted and the curious could, could get further teaching about how to belong and follow Jesus and, and then times of worship. And, and then he organized them also into small groups for personal support and accountability. That was the practical method of Methodism. And he urged Methodists everywhere to set aside time every day to read Scripture and pray. Read Scripture and pray. And he said, whatever God shows you in the Word, you should just do it immediately. Just jump right at it. Get at it. Start right away. So, so what do we mean when we say that, that being practical is one of our values? Well, simply this. Let's say it together, shall we? Here it is. We apply the Bible to daily life and build Christ-centered homes. So let's look at the first part of that. We apply the Bible to daily life. You know, the Bible tells an epic story. God created us and loves us. And when we fell away and rejected his loving rule, God set in motion a plan to rescue us and to win us back into his family. Galatians 4, verse 4 says, When the set time had fully come, God sent his Son. And on the cross, Jesus conquered the power of sin, and at the empty grave, he conquered the power of death. And even now, Jesus is establishing his reign of righteousness upon the earth as it is in heaven. And he has claimed us as his people and called us to live into that story. Today, two com competing stories are being played out simultaneously. One is the world story. Satan is the director of the world story. It's a story of deception and destruction. It's a story of idolatry and arrogance. That, that was our story, but no longer. We are redeemed Jesus has set us free to live into the new story. And in order to live into the new story, we've got to learn it, right? We want to know that story. We learn the scriptures, and then we apply it to our daily lives. And when we read, and that's not easy to do, when we read the Bible, how do we figure that out? Well, we're not perfect at it. Uh, but we, one thing that will help is to ask this question. What does God want for us and from us as followers of Jesus? So you read the scriptures. Okay, what does this say about what God wants for us and from us as followers of Jesus? Uh, many of the, the commandments in the Old Testament were part of God's covenant with Israel. And they no longer apply to Jesus' people today. So, because we're part of the new covenant. That's what Jesus, he came to bring us the new covenant. But you know, still figuring that out, what does it mean for me? It's not easy. Uh, you know, what God wants for us and from us sometimes 
it bucks the trend, doesn't it? It's countercultural. And, and we may be uh, judged by, by those who mistakenly believe that we're judging them just because we live differently. Has that ever happened to you? Yeah? When we read the scriptures, we learn all kinds of things about what God wants for us and from us. For example, does God expect Jesus' people to pay taxes to a non-Christian government? Well, the New Testament would say yes. Um, if for no other reason than to just be a law-abiding citizen, that's what you've got to do. And also because God prefers government over anarchy. So you've got to pitch in. Next, um, does God have a problem with what, us watching sexually explicit movies? Well, that question never came up in Bible times, right? But, you know, Jesus did say something pretty serious about the sin of lustful looking. So I would say, yeah, there's a line there somewhere. You're going to have to figure out for yourself where that line is. You're going to have to listen to the Lord about it. But it's only because he, he wants this for us and from us only because he wants what's best for us so we can develop holy hearts and pure minds. Another question. Does God mind if I get a tattoo? You know, we were driving uh, the other day down the street and uh, I saw a billboard. It said for the tattoo convention, Jan July 4th through 9th or something like that. I said, oh, Trish, we missed it. We missed the tattoo convention. <laughs> you know, there is one verse in Leviticus that speaks against getting a tattoo. The, in the original Hebrew language, it really says it's a mark on your body. Doesn't it? We don't know if it's a tattoo particularly, but in ancient times, slaves were sometimes tattooed or even branded to show that they belonged to their master. Um, and in, in ancient times, sometimes people would even slash their bodies to mourn the dead. Now, the New Testament, though, doesn't say anything, anything about tattoos. So I would say that God doesn't care if I get a tattoo or not. Although if I do get one, it would be one that would, I would want it to bring honor to the Lord. And actually, I don't know if I'll ever get one, but I figured out what it's going to be if I get one. I've got it all planned out. I just don't know if I'm ever going to do it. <laughs> However, first, I would have to be convinced that getting inked is not a health risk. And, um, th that, I mean, that's a whole different question. And I would, uh, that would have to require some serious researching on my part to decide that. But the way I figure it, if you have a tat, I'm okay with that. So, does, here's another question. Uh, does God care whether we live together or get married? From my reading of the Bible, I find no blessing of the sexual union apart from marriage. So I would say, yeah, I think it does matter to God. Now, Jesus remained single. That's always an option. And he believed in God's design for marriage. But you know what the good news is? 
God welcomes all of us sinners, right? Some of us have fudged figures on our tax returns or have a porn uh, problem or have acted judgmentally toward those with tattoos or have lived together before we were married. We have no room to condemn anyone here. No room. But we also know this. Jesus has forgiven us and claimed us as his own. We are redeemed. And we're learning to how to live it. We're learning to apply scriptures into our daily lives. In chapter 6 of Luke's gospel, Jesus stops at a flat open area and speaks to the crowd. He gives kind of a shorter version of the, uh, the Sermon on the Mount. And he tells people to love their enemies. Ooh. Love your enemies and, and, and do good to those who hate them. And he tells them to be generous to those who steal from them. Ooh. And he tells them to not judge anyone but to forgive everyone. Say it with me. Ew. <laughs> and how does he finish his message? Well, we heard it earlier. Grace read it for us. I'm going to ask you to look it up with me in Luke chapter 6, verse, starting with verse 46. If you're using the Pew Bible, it's on page 1034. I had a wrong page number first service. I sent people to Ezekiel. <laughs> That didn't work out too well. All right. In verse 46, Jesus wants to know why we're not putting his words into practice about loving our enemies and being generous and forgiving instead of condemning. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? It's like Jesus saying, you sing songs to me, you pray prayers to me, and you end them by saying, in Jesus' name, why do you not obey me? And then in verse 47, he leads into how important it is to put his words into practice. He says, as for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and what? Puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. And in verse 48, he gives the first half of a parable. Uh, Disciples who put his words into practice, he says, they are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it. Why? Because it was well built. Jesus learned the carpenter's trade from his adoptive father, Joseph. He knows the importance of building on a solid foundation. Sooner or later, storms will happen. Uh, you, will get, you will be betrayed. You will get sick. You will go bankrupt. You will have your heart broken. But those who put Jesus' words into practice will survive the storm. The raging waters will come, but you will hold strong. The flood waters will rise, but you will rise above them because you know who you are. You are one of his. Now others 
call Jesus their Lord, but do not put his words into practice. They are pictured in verse 49. Jesus says, but the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed, and its destruction was complete. Now, before the storm comes, these two houses standing side by side look identical. I mean, look at them. They both have really nice curb appeal, right? But you better get an inspection done before you close on that house and and sign because one of them will not last. The first flash flood warning, and it'll crash like a house of cards. One person here told me that she grew up going to a church uh, where the Bible just wasn't that important. Kind of hard for me to believe, you know, but I know it happens. And she says she appreciates being in a church now where we have that solid foundation. That's who we are. We apply the Bible to daily life and build Christ-centered homes. What does it mean to build a Christ-centered home? You know, I'm so proud of our children's ministry. You saw Leah up here earlier, and every Sunday she sends these families uh, with a take-home activity to kind of follow up from Sunday school. And when our building was closed during the pandemic, uh, she emailed Sunday school class uh, lessons out to all the families. Now, I don't know how many of you used those lessons and activities, but I'm guessing a lot of you did at least some of the time. Our goal is to help parents be the, the, the primary spiritual teachers of their kids because we only have them for such a short time in a week. Parents, you've got them longer, and that's why it's important for you to be their primary spiritual teacher. It's part of building a Christ-centered home. What does a Christ-centered home look like? Let's say that you're on a CSI team, crime scene investigation, right? You've seen the TV shows, yeah? And, uh, where, and, and maybe you come to a home where the people who live there have mysteriously vanished. You're suspecting foul play. And you want to learn everything you can about the family that lived there. And you notice there's a Christian book on the coffee table with a bookmark in it. Somebody's been reading And you see a Bible on the nightstand, and you open it up, and you see passages that have been underlined. Somebody's been studying. You find a checkbook on the desk, and in the check register, you see that they've been writing checks to give to their church and to mission work. Hmm. In one bedroom, you you find a, a framed art print with a scripture verse included. On the shelf, there's a stack of sermon notes and small group study guides. In the laundry room, you see the dry erase family calendar. You've seen, you've got one of those, some of you, right? And, and, and there, the times for worship at Sunday school and, and small groups and serving are, are written into the calendar. And you realize this may have been a Christ-centered home they put their faith 
into practice. So how would I describe a practical church? I want to share with you three brief things. First, a practical church puts its responsibility into action. For example, uh, Genesis uh, chapters 1 and 2 tell us that God gave us responsibility to care for creation. The way I see it, creation needs our care now more than ever. Well, one simple way that we're trying to be practical about that here at Faith Westwood is through our new recycling bins throughout the building. Um, Now, I confess to you that they are not nearly as convenient as dumping everything into one big bucket or trash can, right? But things worth doing always require some extra effort. You know, sometimes I, I, I show up to all these bins and, and I don't know where to put this and put that and I, I'm kind of confused and, and I say, you know, that's okay. We're still learning. But if we work together, we can reduce our landfill impact by 90%. And that's including our Love and Learn daycare, open five days a week. We can reduce our landfill impact by 90%. It's one small practical thing we can do. A practical church puts Jesus' teaching into action. Uh, You know, one thing Jesus taught us is love your neighbors, right? You got to love your neighbors. And, and of course, that's why we fill those goodie bags for the teachers and, and staff at Central Middle School every year. Um, and I'm sure there are some teachers there that are going, huh, I don't believe in God or I don't like churches or whatever, and that's okay. We don't care. makes no difference to us. We love them anyway. And that's why we take care of Oaks Park across the street. I talked to some people today who just this weekend were out there working and serving and trimming and doing all those things. And that's why we learn about being a blessed friend and all the relationships that we have in our lives. We're trying to learn how to put Jesus' teaching into action. And one more thing, a, a practical church puts its love for one another into action. You know, one thing I love about Faith Westwood is our meal train ministry. Uh, you know, people who are dealing with Ill- illness, surgery, childbirth, treatments, uh, they can request meals be delivered to their home. And uh, when that request comes in, you know, all of us who are on the list, uh, email us, we get an email about it, and we can sign up online. It's really slick. We have three active meal trains going on right now. Uh, One of them is completely full. Uh, There are still a few slots open for Brian Stoby and his family. They live close to Millard Airport. Uh, Brian, I know, has another chemo scheduled for this week. The newest one you may have received uh, in the email just the last couple days uh, is for Regina Mathias, and there are still plenty of openings there. Uh, An update I think will be go out today saying that you have the option of bringing meals for Regina to the church if you'd like to, and then someone else would be glad to deliver them to, to her home in Benson. You know, I really, I really appreciate how Meal Train, you know, makes it so easy to sign up, and we we learn about all of their 
uh, dietary restrictions right there, and it just, it's just really a great tool. But I also know that if you didn't sign up, and if you didn't make the food and deliver it, meal train just wouldn't happen. It, it doesn't work by itself. It only works because you say, yeah, I will do that. Um, the Bible says we have to put our love for one another into action. 1 John 3.18 says, Let us love not with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Let's pray. Lord God, you, Jesus, you just surprised us when you said to your disciples and to us, that we are the light of the world because it's hard for us to imagine that that's our job, but you said it was. And so, Lord, maybe we just want to reflect your light and um, be able to pass it on. Lord, you, you told us to, to practice good deeds in such a way that it makes people want to praise God. And so, Lord, um, we don't want the praise for ourselves, but if it if it helps someone to just believe in you and trust you and love you, then we think that's a good thing. Lord, help us today to put your words into practice. Forgive us for just being hearers of the word and not doers. And help us to express our love not in words alone, but in action. Let us be a practical church. And today, if you would like to pray, Lord, I want to be a practical, practicing Christian, would you raise your hand with me? If that's your prayer today, Lord, I want to be a practical practicing Christian. Would you raise your hand just as a way to say, yes, Lord. And all God's people said, amen. Let's stand.